I've just gotten to the point in my life, you know, 41 years old, is that no matter who you are, we all have something that we need to get over or can get over. And you just got to get to a point where you just have to accept it, understand that, yes, these are things that can hold me back, but I can also overcome these things. Hey, welcome to All Things Wood Floor, brought to you by Wood Floor Business. I'm your host, Steve Diggins, with Wood Pro, a division of Horizon Forest Products. I'm also a technical writer and editor for Wood Floor Business Magazine. And listen, I say this only because you better believe it. Wood Floor Business is for the Wood Floor Brilliant. This episode, I sit down with Courtney Lee, owner and president, Truman's Hardwood Floor Refinishing and Cleaning. Courtney shares how he got into the business through his carpet cleaning company and how the two mesh today. There are relatively few black men and women in the hardwood flooring industry today, and Courtney shares with us his experience and thoughts regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout his entire life and throughout his brilliant flooring career. East Coast, West Coast, North Pole to South Pole, and all points in between. It is great to have Courtney Lee of Truman's Hardwood Floor and Refinishing, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Welcome to all things wood floor and floor pros around the world. Let's get to it. How you doing, Courtney? I've never met you. Uh, how you doing, man? I am doing I'm, good. I'm, Welcome I'm, to All Things Wood Floor. We made it. Yes, sir. And yes, I, I love wood floors. I know, right? My new passion. We got, yeah, we got plenty to talk about. I don't know how people get into this industry, but we're going to break it apart, dissect it, and analyze right. it. Now, you're in Lawrenceville, Georgia? Yeah, Lawrenceville, Georgia, about 30 miles from Atlanta. From Atlanta. Like uh, between Athens and Atlanta, right about there? Yep, uh-huh. yep, yep. We're between Athens and Atlanta. Yes, sir. Question for you. It, it, it's... Truman's hardwood floor refinishing and cleaning. Well, hardwood floor, uh, cl- yes, cleaning and refinishing. Okay, good. And I'm, I ask that because um, looking over your profile and talking to the folks at Wood Floor Business Magazine, uh, Kim was saying uh, we have an article come on out with a few different people. It'll be online and it'll be in hard print. And yours was in there. And she said to start with the question that you started out in the, in the carpet cleaning business. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that one. Uh, so basically, um, at the age of 19, um, I, you know, back then, that's when you can find jobs, you know, um, in the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is, you know, the newspaper. Sure. And I was looking in this uh, newspaper one day looking for a new opportunity. And I saw this ad that said hard work, high pay. And I never forget it. When I called it, it was a uh, carpet cleaning company. And they said, yeah, we're always looking for technicians. Come down, you know, you know, a Pacific day. And let's do an interview. And of course, you know, um, it turned into, you know, me working for this company at the time. I didn't I didn't know because it was the first time I started cleaning carpet. But it was what you call a bait and switch company. So they use low price tactics to market, to get into the homes. And then when they get in the house, you know, try to basically raise the price as much as possible. Uh, so that's how I got into the carpet cleaning industry. And then after that, man, I just worked for a lot of other companies. Um, and then at the age of 28 is when uh, Truman Steamers, uh, you know, started. Um, and I just basically just built a great name for myself in the carpet cleaning industry, um, you know, throughout the years. Of course, I had to work on myself first. So I actually had to reset my business after five years because what happened, I tried to take those same uh, tactics of those companies that I worked for. 
with low prices and didn't realize, you know, especially when you're a small guy or owner operator, it's really a race to the bottom. You know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a business model that's meant for, you know, um, owner operators or companies that have like a small crew because one one thing i realize now is that when you're small you need to try to focus on making as much profit as possible and unfortunately those type of um business models just don't match you know people like us what was it at first um steaming vacuuming cleaning all that stuff just carpet 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 uh, carpet cleaning uh mainly hot water extraction um you know upholstery cleaning and then i started you know getting into the tile and grout cleaning um you know with with carpet cleaning you deal with a lot of pet issues you know urine and things like that um so that's the most part of the uh hardwood uh, i mean the carpet cleaning now when it comes to the hardwood floors the carpet cleaning industry has always tried to add the maintenance part of the hardwood floor um, services to the cleaning because it kind of goes hand in hand. But unfortunately, you don't see a lot of companies doing it, uh, especially big change companies like Stanley and Zero Reyes. They were doing it, but they don't even do it anymore, at least the ones in my area. Because as you know, and I know, hardwood floors, um, there's a lot of risk, you know, um, and one of the main risks with hardwood floors is if you don't know what you're doing, you don't understand what you're doing, you could turn a $1,000 cleaning job into a $10,000 sanding job, you know, sure. and that's what these companies were doing um, because, you know, when they got 30, 40 people going out and, 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 the, and these individuals are not highly trained uh, with maintaining floors, it, it, it's just um, a setup for disaster. And that's what happens with a lot of a lot of uh, these big companies that try to tap into the wood floor maintenance, that's what I call it, um, the wood floor maintenance side, which I believe just have so much potential, man, um, in this industry. I believe that so many companies and individuals are just are just sleeping on wood floor maintenance. And I, I really believe in not trying to boast myself up, but I, I believe that I'm on the right track of of you know, bringing the hardwood floor maintenance side of the business, you know, kind of bringing it alive and let people know that there's a need for it. And, you know, we don't have to always resort on full sands or replacement when we can just sometimes just make it maintain it and just make it look better because that's sometimes that's what the customer just really wants. They don't want a full sand. They don't want to replace. They just want to make it look better. And there is a you know, in anything, there is a takeaway, you know. So, yes, you can you can sand your floors for five, six bucks a square foot, have a perfect floor. Um, you want to be out the house for days, you know. Um, it, it's more time consuming. Um, but or you can have your floors make it if possible. You know, that's why I tell my potential clients, you can maintain the floors. We can screen or recode them uh, for a fraction of the pr- price. It's not going to be perfect. Um, we, we're usually done in one day, so that's where a lot of people. That's what I. That's where I believe in giving people options. How, how long? How long have you been doing it since the the carpet cleaning part of it? How long have you been doing the hardwood flooring part of it? Well, the hardwood floor side, I got into the maintenance about ten years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Um, I was introduced by a old colleague, uh, just cleaning, uh, maintaining floors with a, a one seventy five buffer with a right white pad and a red pad. And basically, would use the red pad with a neutral cleaner, squeaky clean, to just basically scrub it and let the red polishing pad um, basically just extract as much dirt as possible, and then follow up with a white uh, polishing pad to kind of buff it out. But you know, again, that was just my first 
introduction to the wood floor maintenance. So then after that, I took a basic coatings maintenance class. And that's when I invested in the Dirt Dragon. And I got better understanding of really cleaning floors and also removing acrylic wax, which a lot of hardwood guys like I mean, I'm in this group called the Dust Life. Great group. And I've shown and I remember when I first got in that group, man, I was showing some of my videos of me taking wax off floors. And those guys, they were just blown away. I have guys that was messaging me. Like I've been doing hardwood floors for 20, 30 years. I've never seen nothing like that. I mean, I watched those uh, I videos. Mean, I, I freaked out. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Most guys would say like, <laughs> give, find anybody you want. Just don't give this to me. You had a little like square buff and you were cutting cross grain and taking wax out. And it, that stuff's brutal. It, did you not just wax, but go back a second. You, you must've got into that learning curve where you're trying to go out and coat a floor that's probably got aluminum oxide and ceramics in it, and you then you probably find out the hard way. This doesn't always work without a you know a bonding agent or some type of special cleaning. Did you run into that too? You know, actually, I will say, I guess I just call it this perfect timing. But I have never had a floor, um, a, a uh, pre-finished floor. I I got it. I got I, I got directed to the right people in the right time when I start because I, I I've only been screen and recoding for about the last four years. So screen and recoding, you know, I was doing the cleaning first, and then I got into the wax removal. And what made what what really drew me into the screen and recoding is when you're dealing with solid floors, you know, uh, un, you know, site finished floors, and when you have people that's been putting wax on their floors for five, ten years with layers and layers and layers. You don't know what those floors look like once you take that, you know, until you take that wax off. So a lot of times when I took the wax off, I was having homeowners blaming me, like, look at my floors. Because the floors would be patchy. It would have, like, areas where it was missing stain, missing polyurethane. And I'm like, no, I didn't ruin your floors. I just took the wax off. So that's when I, um, I said, you know what? So I started doing research, and I, I actually connected with uh, a few guys that, own Mr. Sandless franchise. I was going to ask you about um, gotta, that. Okay. Yep. I got to. I got to get credit to those guys, uh, Luciano and the other guy. Oh my God! I got to give him a shout out. Uh, Tom. I think his name is Tom. But those guys actually gave me some great tips, and you know, and that's when I. Anytime I do a wax removal off of uh, pre off of site finished floor, I always follow up with a screen and recoat because ninety five percent of those floors are going to lack urethane you know polyurethane floor protection or even sometimes stain is going to be missing so those guys really gave me some great tips and then they introduced me to austin mitchell who's the owner of Procoat. and then i connected with austin about two about two years ago and he gave me some great tips and he introduced me to his products and one of his my favorite products to this day is uh proco aquapro and that's when i started um using that product on site uh pre-finished floors and just always had great success with it austin mitchell's name just came up sprig lynn called me and said if you don't call austin mitchell i'm gonna smack you and i <laughs> what's that what's that he goes it's just different you got to talk to him about his chemistry and what he does i heard an ad today i was thinking about you i was driving home from somewhere and it, i it, there was a mr sandless commercial which i'd never seen now we've had franchises in our area and they're a little hit or miss what happens is those mr sandless guys don't always follow the recipe then they decide i'm gonna be a hardwood floor guy you gotta kind of learn their system the right way it's like you said it's a different animal when you're using a system like yours okay and let's say there's wax involved how do you know when you're moving forward that okay now i can move forward to let's say a urethane coating and i'm not going to have any problems that there might still be wax as you know wax likes to kind of find a new way to get back home again 
Yeah, so what I do now, that's why, like I said, maybe, maybe, man, out of every hundred jobs I do, maybe one might not need uh, a screen or reco. Because, yes, that's why I always follow up with a screen or reco. And, and every wax is different. And, again, how many coats they have been putting on the floor. But when you have layers and layers and layers of wax on those floors, yes, you would not remove 100% of that wax with a um, uh, with the uh, wax removal, the, the, chemi- the chemistry side of it. So that's when I do a screen or recoat because now that screen would basically shave off that last little bitty wax that gets into the grain of the wood. So that's why, yes. Yeah, so um, that's why I, I usually always follow up with a screen or recoat because that screen or even sometimes I use like uh, a surface prep pad or even sandpaper sometimes. You do the little X at the bottom <laughs> and that would just basically just knock out that last little bit of wax that's left that the chemistry and the machine can't get. Yeah, that mechanical bond helps. Does it, um, it, it, do you have to use anything special in between like, you know, cleaners, bonding agents, anything? Do you have to do well, a little test to make floor. sure it's gone? Uh, usually, um, you, you know, as you're doing, once you get into wax removal, you just get an eye for it. You know, uh, it's just one of those things. Once you do it so long, you just get an eye for it. But yes, we do have special techniques that we do that I teach my guys. It's even though once we get that floor clean, once we get that floor screen, we always clean and tack it with the neutral cleaner and that neutral cleaner will show it will outline if there's any wax left. And then what we'll do, we'll just, you know, repeat the process just in those areas by hand. Or sometimes I just take out like one of my little um, Festool or Makita uh, palm sanders and just take like maybe like a 200 grit screen and just shave that last little portion off so we don't have any adhesion issues. How did you go from, you know, working and doing carpets, which you probably, you get your head in the game there too. You get really good at it. You know your stuff. And then where was the first opportunity you said, well, all right, we got a wood floor. And then how does it, how do you get legs at that and then go get the training for it? Because it does, what you do is there's really no training for it. You got to, you better learn from somebody that knows what they're doing or you better figure it out for yourself real quick, right? And, and that's basically what it is with the maintenance side of it. You get there, a lot of these companies, they offer like really just straight fundamental training. Uh, it's, it's really like step one, two, three. But in the real world of maintenance, there is no step one, two, three. It can be step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, so it really just depends on the floor and just years and years and years of just trial and error. And I will say I've had floors. I've never had to replace a floor, but I have had floors that I had to get sanded. Um, sometimes the uh, wax removal was just not enough. It was just so much wax on the floors. Like I said, once you took the wax off the floor, a screen of recoat is just not going to cut it. So um, I started networking. I have a great network partners uh, in my area that if I have floors that need to be sanded, because I don't sand floors, you know, I, I ju- I'm just following my path of the wood floor maintenance um, side of it. But I do have guys that I can network with if I need a floor sanded or if a client needs floors replaced. That's a really interesting side of the business because a lot of really busy flooring companies, the last thing they want to be involved in is, is regular maintenance. When I was doing my flooring thing, I went to the dentist one day and I remember when I walked out, he gave me a business card for like a year from then. I'm like, well, I don't know where I'm going to be a year from now, but I thought about it. If I gave all my customers a card saying, you better call me in a year for maintenance, I started doing it. And after a year, we had crews on just Friday, go out with chemicals, screen, coat, buff. 
maybe it needed it, maybe it didn't. If the neighbors, it's like doing a driveway. If the neighbors there, everybody wants to get in on it, we got a deal, buck 50, buck a foot, get out there and just do screening coats. Uh, it seems like once you get one of your floors done up, then you could probably get back on the just screening coat schedule. Yes, yes. A lot of them, I, I've had clients uh, in the last four years, I've had numerous clients have called me back and say, hey, Courtney, um, uh, time for another screen or recode again because they can typically start seeing like, especially the high traffic areas, polyurethane wearing off. Um, so that's a good indication, you know, when you start seeing those worn areas, those areas worn out. And that's what screening is. It's just basically keeping the floor maintained so you don't have to always, uh, the, you know, resort to full sanding. Um, so again, it's just a maintenance, just keeping the floors maintained. No different than I tell clients, no different than taking your car to the car wash, you know, um, you got to keep your car wash. If you don't, it's going to get dirty and dirty. And then that dirt is going to start breaking down the, the protective coating that protects the paint. And then it's going to start tapping into the paint. And, and again, man, it just, you know, one thing I've realized about any industry, especially this industry, it's setting realistic expectations. And I think that's where a lot of my success come from because I tell clients, you know, screen and recoat would not, uh, it would not take care of water damage. It won't take care of pet stains. It would not take care of deep gouges, deep scratches. Um, now, again, when it comes to the color correction, sometimes we can attempt to add color back to the floor. And I'm going to say we've got about an 80% success rate, you know, depending on the wood species, um, depending on the color of the floor. Um, so, so, so I do make sure that my clients understand and it's in the contract when they sign off to say that we want to move forward with the services, it explains everything that a screener, screener recoat will and won't do. Well, I know you do social media stuff. I've seen your stuff online. And I think recently we were able to, to just do the friend request thing on Facebook. So I got to see more of your stuff. You know, it's, it, it's really practical because when you think of it, like my wife's a realtor. And sometimes her advice is, uh, you're selling your home, don't sand the hardwood floors. Because the next person could come in and rip them out. The next person could put a, a floating floor. The next person could want a stain. You're going to spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 on that. And I saw some of your stuff and some of the things people posted, you know, they're not always friendly. But um, everybody was really supportive and somebody said, oh, I see some stains. Absolutely. Would you pay for that? A thousand instead of ten thousand? If my wife as a realtor would say, you know, you get somebody like Courtney and let's just make them look really good. If they want to do something with them later, and you know, sometimes there's an animal stain or something, or maybe you have to do some of the patchwork. It makes a lot of sense to just get somebody in that can just get something simple done on these. How many times do you go in and it's really just a buff on coat? It's just the floor is a little bit dirty. Man, I can't tell you, um, Steve, how many jobs come from just that. I actually just landed a job yesterday. Uh, it's for a women's, um, uh, like a uh, some type of clubhouse in that right in the heart of Atlanta. I'm going to be doing that job on the 17th. And same thing, it's like about 3,300 square feet. And she said she had got a few estimates, and estimates anywhere from twenty-five to $30,000 for a full sand. And I went in there, I looked at the floors. I said, do you want to change the color? She said, no. I said, well, we can do a screen and recoat. And she already done her research. And I ended up getting the job for like $6,700. You know, job is going to take us one day. So that's the thing about it is uh, with the screen and recoat is just an option. And with, with, with my um, internet presence and my videos, you would be surprised how many people find me and say they have never heard of a screen or recoat. Right. And I tell people this 
I'm 41. It's been around more than I have, but for some reason, the industry and a lot of guys that I've talked to uh, just don't push it. And the reason why, one of the main reasons why I was talking to a, a colleague yesterday uh, that told me the reason why most hardwood floor guys don't do it is because they don't know how to identify what, you know, if there's like cleaning agents, Murphy's oil soap or waxes on the floor, which will, you know, hinder a screen or recoat. So they'll just sort of go in there with a 36 grit sandpaper and just sand it down and start all over. So I think that's where a lot of the 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 um, the, uned the uneducated part of doing screen and recoat for those that don't want to offer it is they don't know how to test the floors to see if the floor is contaminated because that's that's the most important part of screen or recoding what i teach my guys is we have to once we screen this floor we have to clean this floor very 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 thorough before we add any finish to it yesterday i did us i did an engineer floor floor came out beautiful but i cleaned that floor like two times before i put the first coat down i wanted to make sure that floor was clean as a whistle before any new uh finish went on that floor you make a good point. We were talking earlier today about gymnasiums and how they have to be uh, really super flat an eighth and 10 feet. And the, the, the contractor said to me, because if I don't do that, the minute we put wood down, I own that entire concrete slab. That's what you're, you're alluding to. I know with hardwood flooring people, they don't want to touch anything contaminated that could go wrong that they didn't do because the minute they go in they own it somebody messes up a floor they take over it that guy's off the hook and you own it at least you're going in educated saying you know what we know what we're doing we're going to test this we'll figure it out and, and then i think too once you get your system down even a minor failure seems to be correctable here they go stand here pad there clean it is it something that if you have some little hiccups just easy to keep your keep in the game well, that's why I like water-based products because, again, learning this throughout trial and error, I've had floors where the floors was not uh, wax-free, where the floors uh, was not clean properly. And when you put that finish down on it, it's going to reflect. It's going to show. Um, so that's the good thing about uh, the, the water-based urethanes is I can wait three, four hours for it to dry. Not to say it's, you know, you know, and I know it's not cured. Uh, and you don't want to wait to it's cured uh, to get to its hardest point. So after three or four hours, we'll just take it off, take, you know, screen it off and go, like you say, go back and correct those issues, then re go back to re uh, reapply the, uh, poly the polyurethane. But you said nobody knows, a lot of people know what a screening coat is. Well, for years, we, we said a buffing coat. It was always called a buffing coat. Yeah, buffing, and, yeah. But it goes to, to your side of the business. People thought we were going to come in and polish their floors, which is not what a floor guy would do. We haven't touched wax since 1930-whatever. But when yeah. you're doing a screening coat, and, and you know this, okay, so you could have ceramic screens, regular silicone carbide screens, um, sanding pads, sanding strips, sand dollars, everything. You guys, is there pretty much everything in your bag of tricks to a braid? Yes, I got sand dollars. I love the blue ones, um, the green ones. You're yeah, the guy I, using the blue ones. I yeah, knew I got the blue ones. Um, you know, again, I use the sandpaper strips. Um, the Dura, I think it's a Dura Seal, a Dura something sandpaper strips. Mm -hmm. uh, screens. I, I mean, we use anywhere from two twenty screens all the way down to eighty screens. Sure. Uh, depending on like, I did, I did a uh, restoration floor. Uh, was that Tuesday? Guy used us last year. He was so happy with the screen and recoat because he buys these and flip these properties, and he doesn't want to go through full sanding. He already knows about it, 
And he said, you know, I'm selling these homes. I don't want to, you know, again, go with a full standing when I can just make it look better for sale. So, like, for example, the job that we did Tuesday, I went in, I screened it with like a hundred group screen, got their floor basically almost like what you call like you can call it a light sanding just got their floor flat as possible knocked out any imperfections and then we follow up with one coat of basic coating no i'm sorry bona intense uh amber sealer mm -hmm. which added some you know it was a red oak so it added a nice you know color back to that floor and then we follow up with two coats of poly floor looked unbelievable now, how many crews or teams? Is it just you and the helper? You and 13 yeah, people? Yeah, What's uh, the... well, well, I'm a three-truck operation. One of those trucks are, are de uh, designated strictly for the carpet, upholstery, and tile and grout cleaning. Okay. And then my other two trucks are focused just on hardwood floor maintenance. So I got a, uh, a full-time guy, uh, Kenneth Scobie. He's been with me for a little bit over a year. So I basically trained him up. He rode with me for about six, seven months. So I let him out on his own. So um, he now one thing about Scobie, he came from the VCT stripping and waxing. Ooh. So he already kind of had some edge, you know, some especially when it comes to the wax removal. But again, you can't soak down, you know, wood like you can do VCT. Um, but it's still kind of the same concept. And then I, of course, you know, trained him up with the uh, screen and recodes where he's pretty much got that down. He's, you know, still working on him with the color correction. Like we got a job that we're doing uh, Thursday that's going to need some color correction. So uh, I'll be having him on that job with me, uh, you know, to keep educating him how to do color correction. Uh, but other than that, yeah, we're a three truck operation with two trucks, mainly for hardwood floor maintenance. You know, the um, Wood Floor Business Magazine in the February, March issue has a whole section that's coming out about um, uh, black men and women in flooring. And they, they quoted you in a number of places all over. All over. You know, and in, uh, I've been doing this 40 years. I can probably count how many black customers I have around the country on just these two hands. One in New Hampshire and then the others. And so, listen, I just did a podcast with Luis Perez, uh, Dave Sharpton. You get Willie Bradley. You, in your area, do you find this is we don't get to talk to people of color in this industry very much, especially in New Hampshire and New England. What can you tell me about it in your area? Because I know you you said some pretty extensive, interesting things about education and uh, experiences. What can you tell me about that that I can share with people? Um, when it comes, you know, I'm in Atlanta, which is a uh, you know a, a large population of African Americans. You know, it's the South, and um, you know. We, you know, as African Americans, we've always been in the cleaning, you know, industry, you know, uh, you know, even, you know, starting with slavery uh, and just moving on up. You know, uh, we've always been into janitorial. Um, but I think a lot of it just comes from when, you know, when, when I was asked those questions is really just a lack of education and a lack, lack of resources um, that, you know, and just not the uh, black community, but any minority community. If that's that's one of that's some of the things that kind of holds us back is, uh, you know, you know, lack of education. Um, and, and also, too, you know, it can be, you know, a, a lack of opportunity um, because it, this is just real, you know. There, there are times where uh, a white guy can go give a contract and a black guy can go give a contract and the, the white guy would get it just because based off his color, his skin. So a lot of those, you know, things are real and they do play a part in our, you know, service industry. But me, I, I, I find ways to um, 
really not focused on race when it comes to business. And I think a lot of that is how you conduct yourself, how you uh, carry yourself. Because to be honest, if you watch a lot of my YouTube videos, I'm going to say about 90% of my clients are white. Right. Hey, Wood Floor Pros. This is Kim Walgren, the longtime editor of Wood Floor Business. If you're in the wood flooring industry, make sure you sign up for your free subscription to Wood Floor Business. You'll get six regular issues, plus our annual resource book issue that is the directory for the entire wood flooring industry. If you're a pro outside the U.S. and Canada, you can sign up for a digital subscription. Just go to woodfloorbusiness.com and click on the magazine link. That's it for now. Let's get back to Stephen's chat with Georgia Pro, Courtney Lee. Well, you know, it's about what equity, diversity, you know, being inclusive with people. It's interesting you say that because when you look at the country overall and you say that, like I went to college down in the South, it's just, it's different. Like people will come up here and they aren't surprised in my area. We have one black flooring contractor. Even he's not surprised. He told me he's probably the only black kid in his high school. I don't know if it's just it, the fact that we have nine months of terribly cold weather. You know, up until a decade ago, I could go skiing and not see a black man on the slopes. And now it, it, you see people of all kinds everywhere. This country, it's changed in so many ways. But is it, it do yeah. you think the hardwood flooring industry, it's just new to the hardwood flooring industry, or historically, the industry holds people of color back? I think, I think now there's it's not an excuse. I mean, this is 2023. Right. I, I just believe, man, everybody. I don't care who you are, man, woman, race, religion, where you from. Everybody has something that can hold them back. It's all about just getting over that hurdle. You know, you can be a white guy with, you know. Like you said, growing up in a all black neighborhood. When I grew up, I grew up in a ninety nine point nine percent all black neighborhood. We had three white brothers that we grew up with. And what was funny is, you know, as, as a young kid, you really don't know about the negative side of race. So when Tim, Brandon, um, and I forgot the other brother's name, when we used to play, we would they would come to our house, we'll go to their house, and it, again, it was we were just kids, you know. Um, so, so my thing is this, it, it, everybody has a story. Everybody can say, oh, because of my, my color. Oh, because of my finances, because of my upbringing. Oh, I grew up in a single parent home. I grew up, you know, I was on drugs. I went to, you know, I went to jail and I, and I'm a convicted felon. So I, I, I've just gotten to the point in my life, you know, 41 years old is that no matter who you are, you, we all have something that we need to get over or can get over. And you just got to get to a point where you just have to accept it, understand that, yes, these are things that can hold me back, but I can also overcome these things. Um, because, man, I'll tell you is that people, when you find really good, genuine people um, out here, those things, a lot of people, you know, don't don't really they don't hold you accountable for those things. Like me, I'm the type of person I believe in two one thing. Either you're a good person or you're a bad person. That that's it. I don't care about you being black, white. Either you're a good person or you're not. 
Well, yeah. You know, see, this is something you probably don't know about me, but I am from a predominantly white family, and nobody in my history ever said, we got to get us into some flooring. It's probably what they would say, say the hell out of. But you're <laughs> right. I see you, you see that out there. And, um, it, you know, I've seen people up and down the East Coast, out in California. See, you never know. There are people involved in the sales and design and engineering part of it. There are people involved in distribution and sales and, and manufacturing, et cetera. But it, it's obviously lackingly, lacking that they're physically people of color not out there doing the install sand fin. And you said it. Some people are coming up now from the maintenance uh, part of it. And I wonder if, you know, do you start to see that part of it and say, wow, it looks like it'd be pretty lucrative over there if I were to start slapping down some wood and sanding and finishing it? For you, it doesn't seem like you got a nice little uh, niche going for yourself, right? Yes, yes. Um, you know, again, man, I, I, uh, I'm not going to say I feel like I'm just walking God's path, the path that he wants me to be on. Uh, because, you know, when you look back, you know, like, for example, I've only been doing hardwood floors full time for the last two years. And what happened is after cleaning carpets for almost 19 years, I had just got burnt out with it. It just got it just got really got boring to me. And I just start praying and asking God to just open up new opportunity and new doors, because one thing about me. Once I don't have passion for it, a love for it, it's, it's time to let it go. Right. Because I'm not going to give my clients, my clients, the, the the service that they deserve from a person like me, and especially the prices that I that I'm charging. Um, and and that's one thing that also showed me is just because you raise your prices doesn't mean it's going to bring back your passion. You know, and this is why I see why. You know, guys can go out here and make 10, 15 million dollars to play a game mm -hmm. and don't have the passion for it like they did five or 10 years ago. So um, what happened was, man, I um, the, the, the 2020, the end of 2020 going into 2021, I just start getting like out of nowhere, Steve. I just start getting all these calls about hardwood floors. Do you do you clean wood floors? Do you my wood floor? I put bonnet on my floors. I put quick shine on my floors. And it was like from October to like going to like Christmas time. And it was almost like I was going from maybe doing maybe two to four wood floor jobs uh, a, a, a month to almost two to four jobs a week in that last quarter of 2020. And something just clicked like it always does. And I said, you know what, Courtney, what if you took the same energy and focus on wood floor maintenance? The same way you've been doing carpet cleaning for the last 19 years and just made it a full-time service. And the rest was history. And now I'll tell you this. What happened was I actually reached out to the Mr. Sandless that's here in Atlanta. And the owner name is Donna. And she actually talked to me. And I told her who I was. And uh, she said, yeah, I've seen some of your videos. And they don't do wax removal. Um, but I talked to her. And I said, well, how many trucks do you have? She said, we have four trucks. And when she told me that, that was my motivation right there. Well, you get the right idea. I, I can tell you this. I, I do consulting for people in all aspects of it. And you ask anybody that works with me, I just did a, help build a company down in Washington. My advice to them is don't don't get involved in this. And they think I'm kidding them. I say, mm, if you know the what we know about flooring and how involved it is and how we got our lives into it and how it took decades to learn, you might not want to just go start a franchise or get out and do these things. Well, I had a company in Boston that has fleets of carpet cleaning companies. And they had a nephew that married into the or no it was a son-in-law married into the family 
And they thought, you know what, there's money in flooring. So they bought him about $40,000 in equipment, sent it to every school, sent him to me. His first three jobs, we had to hire people to redo. It was a miserable failure. He had to sell everything. He took it too far. If he had just done what you had done and said, you know, there's a lot of calls here for just clean prep. You could do them faster. You can do them quicker, neater, cleaner. If something goes wrong, you can adjust on the fly. And you're not putting $30,000 equipment into a vehicle. You're also not spraying, soaking, wetting, dampening, telling people to dry. It sounds like a really good model. And everybody I know in the industry would call you and say, I don't want to do this. You do it. Because they have other things to do. You could probably do. How many jobs do you do a week like this? Oh, man. On a good week, bro, uh, Steve. Man, we can do anywhere from with both trucks, 10, 15 jobs, averaging, wow. yeah, averaging two, $2,200 job. Well, it, and most flooring people think, well, okay, we're going to be here for three to five days with a sand. It could be much longer. And then maybe we have some other crews, and those crews aren't quite as trained to do the same thing as other crews. You're in, you're out. I mean, you should follow every floor guy around and t- give them your card and say, when they just want to clean it up, I'm your guy. And actually, I have a few guys that 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 does that. Um, that don't do this, and like you said, they just don't have time for it because one sanding job can take them anywhere from five days to a couple weeks. Um, and that's something, man. That's another thing that I hear a lot of my clients say. And this is where I think the hardwood floor industry needs to get better at teaching the, the you know the, the the new consumers because one thing that I hear people tell me all the time when they find me. So you mean to tell me there's going to be no dust and there's not going to be no harsh smells and I'm going to have to be out of my house for one to two weeks because last time we had our floor sanded, there was dust everywhere and my house stunk for two weeks and I just don't want to go through that no more. So what I've realized, a lot of clients that I hear, it's not even about the money, it's just the convenience. And I think that the hardwood floor industry, because I know the equipment that these guys have now, where you they can sand the floor with these new systems and these new drum sanders hooking up to these vacuum systems and virtually have no dust in the house. But guess what? The average consumer who had the floor sanded 10, 15, 20 years ago, they don't know that. No. No, well, that it's interesting how it all comes around the history of flooring. So you talk to people that are grew up in the, the 70s, let's say. And they'll say, well, I didn't want a hardwood floor because when I grew up, they were freezing cold. Yeah, because you went through a time when your parents couldn't afford to heat the house. Heat the wood floor, it holds the heat. Make it cold, it keeps it cold. The biggest problem was, I remember people my age would say, I just remember my mom's floors were beautiful, but she was constantly waxing, constantly buffing. You bring in your boots and sand and mud. Now there's a problem. It's it's a little different because you're not you're not laying more wax down on a floor in most cases. You're you're getting that out and going to something they can keep clean, like like your yeah. thing. Well, yes, yeah, and that's why I educate my clients. Is one thing about waxes, they don't cure. That they, they don't cure. They lay so that's, up. The, that, that's the main problem. So that's why you see scuff marks. That's why you see it peeling off. That's why we can, you know, take a chemical and, and, and remove it. You can't do polyurethane. Polyurethane has to be, you know, a uh, brave it off, you know. Um, so that's one thing I teach your clients. This is why you're having this issue. This is not a this is not a true floor finish. This is just a make just make it look good temporarily. But it's going to have long term issues, you know, in the long run, because most people. Put it like this. If the average person knew how to really use those products, put it on the floor six months when it starts looking bad or wearing off, clean the floor, 
reapply it, but it will have to be a continuous maintenance where you can have your floor screen or recode it with, you know, premium good polyurethanes. You know what I know, all polyurethanes aren't, aren't, aren't equal. Because when I first started doing screen and recodes, that's where a lot of my issues were, were cheap polyurethanes. Sure. I used to have a lot of bubbling issues. Uh, I just, oh man, I, I mean, I'm not going to name any of those products because I don't have to because you already know. But, you know, once I got introduced to the better polyurethanes, I mean, my the quality of my work just stood out like a sore thumb. Um so that's the thing is uh, when it comes to those uh, waxes that a lot of people put on the floor, um, they just don't know. It's just going to create long term issues. And this when you have to find a company that can either sand it off or like a company like me that can strip it off and then, you know, get the floors looking back good to their original state. Is it one and done for you or when you're done, do you say, you know, what, you might want to. Look at us in a year to three to five and see what oh, this yeah. looks like. Oh, yeah. People ask me all the time because I always tell clients, yes, you know, I tell clients how to, you know, take care of the floors, how to clean them. But at the end of the day, cleaning your floor yourself, you just cleaning part. It, it, it's just going to get to a certain point. You're going to have to have a professional clean. And that's why I think well, the, the maintenance side of this industry, um, like I said, has such potential. Because uh, like one of the hardest floors to clean, a lot of people don't realize, is luxury vinyl plank floors. Yes. That floor is hard to clean. And I've, I I have cannot tell you how many times I've been hired. People find me on YouTube, brand new luxury vinyl plank floors. They get that construction dust in the grooves of those luxury vinyl, and they just cannot get it out. And I have floors that I have literally saved people. I had one job. We went to Alabama last year and did Brand new luxury vinyl plank floor. Lady said they had four cleaning companies to try to because they had they, they was doing construction in the house. And a lot of that construction dust got impacted in those little tiny grooves of the luxury vinyl plank floor, and nobody could remove it. And they found me on YouTube. The builder found me on YouTube and called me and said, Hey man, well, you are our last resort. We got this floor here in Alabama. And this lady wants us to replace it. And if we replace it, it's going to cost us about 30 grand. Do you think you can save these floors? So they, of course they sent me pictures and a few videos and I looked at it. I said, I'm pretty confident I can save that floor. And of course I went down to Alabama and, uh, you know, and I saved the floor <laughs> for $5,000. I read in some part of that article that you actually do some training and take people out and train them or do ride-alongs or something. Explain that yeah, one to yeah. me. I do ride-alongs, man. And um, I actually started doing ride-alongs when I was cleaning carpet. So, the, and again, I think it's just timing. I never thought I would be teaching people how to do what I do. So I had cleaners that will reach out to me and say, hey, Courtney, how much would you charge me to come ride with you? And I'm like, ride with me? And I remember the first guy that reached out to me, he was from Florida. And um, he said, hey, man, I've been watching a lot of guys on YouTube and I really want to get into this carpet cleaning business, but I want to learn from you. And what would it take? And at first I thought it was a joke and, you know, and his name was Josh. And I said, well, I don't know, man, I've never done nothing like this before. He said, well, I don't, I'm not going to do any hard. I'm not going to do any carpet cleaning invest. I'm not going to invest in any equipment unless I can learn strictly from you. So I said, well, let me think about it. And of course, you know, after I got off the phone with him, it just slipped my mind. In about three, four days, he called me back. He said, did you think about it? I said, man, this guy is serious. And I told the guy, so I'm going to be honest with you, man. I've never done this before. I don't even know where to start. 
He said, Courtney, I just want to come work with you for three to four days. I've, do, I've done some classes, um, but these classes are just like in a warehouse where they cut out a piece of carpet and it's not real to me. I want to really feel the real world side of carpet cleaning. And I'm going to tell you, and, and, and to prove him, to prove that he was serious, he sent me a picture of his ID and he sent me a picture, a screenshot of his bank account. And he had like 130 grand in it. And he wow. said, you just you just make a price. And I said, okay. I said, for three days, uh, you can come ride with me for $2,000. And he came and wrote, he sent me the money and he came and wrote me for three days. And after, and I remember we went and sat down and ate dinner on the last day. And I asked him, because I'm nervous, I've never done this. And I said, let me ask you a question, Josh. Was this worth $2,000 for you? And Josh, I said, just be honest, because I want to know if somebody else see this. You know, and, and they ask about it. You know, I want to make sure that I'm giving people quality, you know, services. And and this is what he told me. He said, Courtney, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, if you would have told me $5,000, I would have paid it. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> a number in here somewhere. Sure. Yep. So, um, so for that first couple of years, man, um, again, off of YouTube and my presence of, you know, my Cleaners Connect group, I start having... Other guys want to get into the business, coming out riding with me. I actually raised my ride alone prices to $4,000 after Josh told me that. And I had companies that would hire new technicians and send them to me for three days for four grand. It saves them and, a lot of time. Yeah. So I did that. And then when I got into the hardwood floor side of it, the same thing. I had a guy ask me, Courtney, can I come and do a ride alone with you for hardwood floors? Said, sure. And I use and, and and I also have a private group where I share more insight, you know, more tips and tricks of how I do things. So I actually had that group for the last couple of years. So yeah, that's how I got into it, man. I, I never thought I would I never did it, you know, intentionally to say, hey, I, I want to show you how to do carpet and hardwood floor. This is from people asking me to do it. The people I know that have got into this what to similar to what you do. That's what it was. They get tired of being in a house where they would do everything. And someone would say, can't you while you're here just do my dining room, hardwood floors? And they would say no. And then, guys, we're getting 50 cents a foot. Well, all of a sudden, at 3.50 a foot a few years ago, they're like, sure I can. And then yeah. they, now they're calling me. And I got carpet people calling me asking me, well, how do I buff and cut, screen and cut, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. now they're doing what you do. So what what was the inspiration? Was that it? You're, now you're riding around going, people want my knowledge to do this. Let's put it all together. Yeah, yeah that's basically what it was. If You you know, I heard the Joker say on uh, The Dark Knight, a quote that I live by, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. No. <laughs> you got you got a lot of quotes. Uh, you, I I saw some years. One said that every thought that I think is great, so everything I do is great. I like yes. that. So that's you live by a lot of philosophies that I I think hold yes, true. Yes, right? yes, yes, sir. A, a lot of philosophy quotes. You know, uh, Zig Zagler. He's he has one of the best quotes that I I live by. If if you help enough people get what you want, get what they want, you always have what you want. So I'm a big believer in giving, as you see that. I believe in just giving, you know, uh, motivation, inspiration, uh, education. And, and this is just something I do, man. I've been doing that for years. A lot of people, I've been criticized for it. And especially in the carpet cleaning industry, because, again, I still consider myself as a carpet cleaner because I've been in the industry for so long. And, I've again, I've, I've done so much for the community. But the carpet cleaning industry it, it 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 brings in a lot of 
even people like myself who really don't have a lot of opportunity, but you're looking for opportunity because it's such an easy industry to get into. I mean, you can go get a portable for $2,000. Next thing you know, you're a professional carpet cleaner. Um, but, 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 but with that, you know, um, with that being said, when it comes to to, to the uh, the industry within its whole within the whole, um, it's just so many people they 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 look for us guys like us who have you know walked the path and been there done that. Um, just like for example, there's a guy here in Atlanta, uh, the Rosebud Company. His name is Michael uh, Person. Here's my second podcast. Michael. Yeah. Fox Theater in Atlanta. Yeah. Sprig Lynn and and Michael and I want to do a, like a deadliest catch. Several, you know, four pros get together and talk about stuff. And I know he does a lot of chemical. He doesn't use a sander, the whole thing. Yes. I I actually got the opportunity to work with him. Great dude. He he actually hired me to remove wax from a floor for him before he recoded. And all those times, I thought he was a sander. And when I met him, he said, no, Courtney, I do not sand floors. I do what you do. I do buffing coat with color correction. And that guy told me, he said, let me tell you something, Courtney. Do not get off your path. Right. Stay on this path. You have Paul Nelson. You know Paul Nelson. He was a, he was our other podcast just before yep. that. And Mike Hoy. <laughs> uh, yes, there's a bunch of them. I talked to Paul Nelson. And the same thing, man, he told me, he said, Courtney, you got something special going? Do not these Michael told me he said, Do not, I don't care how many people try to convince you, do not get into wood floor sanding. You find somebody who does that and just let them do it. Courtney, stay on this path that you're doing because I'm telling you that you're going to do something special. This is what Michael told me because he found me on YouTube and he said, I am just blown away (laughs) with these videos. And uh, it was such a pleasure working with him, man, because, again, he's one of those guys. uh, And I was actually following him on YouTube for all those years. And then here it is. uh, I call it the universe brought us together. And um, it was just so fun to work with him on on that project. Yeah, we run into all these people. And they all have words of wisdom. They're starting to separate exactly what they do. And I, I deal with fiber flooring contractors every day. And. People, the most treacherous question is, well, whose name would you give me? Well, I don't, I don't see their work typically. I don't know the good, the better, the best. And then, as you know, uh, how do I know that the two best guys don't have two crews that aren't even close to as good as they are? You never know. And we have some really excellent, you know, fine quality people. My customers are fantastic. But I think when you look at it, what is it when with what you're doing? Is it? How do you separate yourself from every one? You have a different type of business, but how do you separate yourself from other companies that are in a similar field? Um, one thing about me, and this is why I love, I like people always, you know, guys will always say, Oh, Courtney, won't you just hire guys to do the work? You just sit in the office and just, you know, collect checks, you know, with your feet up. And I, I'm just not, that's just not me. I'm the guy I like to be in the field. I, I'm a people's person, as you probably see that. So I, I just can't sit and you know sit at the desk and just micromanage. I like to get out, do the work because this is again, this is what I enjoy doing. But one of the things, man, that I can say that separate myself is uh, video marketing. That camera, this cell phone, for years. I mean, I used to have guys. I would never record in someone's home. You're violating people's privacy and. I, I would never let you come in my home and record. And I would just laugh. And now 
I see a lot of these same guys that was criticizing me five, ten years ago trying to do the same thing. I had guys, you know, it, it's just crazy how it just comes back around. But my thing is, you know, when I first started doing videos, of course, I would ask the homeowners. I would say, hey, you know, Mr. Steve, you know, I do YouTube videos just to promote my work. And I won't put you, your family or your, you know, possessions in the camera. Just focus on what we're doing, the carpets. And I will tell you, Steve, over 10 years since I've been recording, 10 years, I, I can count maybe on one hand how many people told me no maybe three or four people. I've actually had clients that got mad because I didn't record their project because maybe the floors were, you know, because when you watch something, you want to watch a, a transformation. So really, it, it, there was like from a camera angle, you're really not going to see that transformation. So I wouldn't record it. And I had clients that would call me and say, hey, Courtney, uh, you did my floors earlier and I went on YouTube or I went on your YouTube, your Facebook channel. I didn't see my video. Uh, when can I? And I'll say, oh, well, your floors wasn't that bad. So I didn't record. Oh, Courtney, I, I wanted to show it to my friends. So so now I just I don't even I really I'm not going to say I don't really have to ask because I still ask. But most people just suspect it now. Well, I saw one the other night. I was, I was looking at your YouTube channel. And it was it was really funny because I don't know you and you get the camera and you say, I'm at this lady's house and here we go. And I'm like, oh, Courtney, no, 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 no. She's probably you know, running away in curlers. Oh, no, she, she she practically took the phone out of your hand. She goes, let me tell you about him and what his yeah. crew did. <laughs> glowing, gushing, glowing. I think she thought she was on television. And then yeah. I'm like, hey, that worked out pretty good. Who's going to say nicer things than the people that you just worked for? Listen, one person's got a complaint. They tell 25 people. One person loves your work, they'll tell five really good quality people who tell other people, and then you just start getting referral after referral, and you have a reputation, with it, it, which it seems like that's what you do. And I, yes. think, I think you said in that video, too, I think you said one of the things that is that people just love to see you go to work every day. Yes. I mean, yeah, and that's another thing, man. When people see you doing it every single I mean, I'm going to say every day, but almost, almost every day, you know, that gives them security. That gives them insurance that, man, this guy, this company really knows what they're doing. You know, I again, we go out of state. We went to Tennessee three times two weeks ago. I wonder if you, do you get the opportunity even in something that's a little larger scale where you can go, hey, give me a closet. Give me something. Give me a dining room. Let me show you what we can do. I mean, that uh Usually the only times I do what I call a demo is okay. usually for the wax, you know, because sometimes people, they don't know really how their floors look. So what I do, I do like a demo of what I go in there. I might emulsify like a small area and then take the wax off. And that shows them how the floors look with the wax removed. And that's just a good selling point to show people because seeing is believing. So that's really the only service that I do where I have to show people uh, how the floors look for the most part when we do the wax removal. So do you have a particular philosophy on how you handle clients from meeting them, greeting them, selling them your product and closing it all out? Is there a particular philosophy at that? So, so to answer your question, really no, because like I said, 80% of my jobs, uh, you know, when people find me on my website, they find me from YouTube. I mean, they'll just, I have clients say, Courtney, me and my husband have been up all night just watching your videos. <laughs> so, so again, with my video marketing and, 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 and branding, you know, my company, um, I really don't have to do a lot of explaining to clients because when they find me or let's say they just find me from Google and they just call me and I say, hey, did you get a chance to 
check us out on YouTube. Oh no. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a link of my YouTube channel. Just feel free and watch some videos so you can kind of get an idea of who we are and how we, you know, do business and how we can take care of your floors. And that also, you know, helps, you know, land a lot of jobs. So that's what people would do. Um, they will go to YouTube. They'll watch some of the videos and, Again, it's, it's just, it does the selling for me. So the more they watch the videos, the more they find me, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, they read my reviews, they see before and after pictures. It, it just lessens the, 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 the explaining part for me. Well, I just go do an estimate. This is what it's going to take to, for us to service your floors. Let us know if you're ready. Did you, did you spend several hours in the self-improvement aisle? Like I, that's all I ever did. If I had downtime was, I just felt like, Someone said, you know, you should just learn everything. And I get into a lot of things. But I would go straight to a bookstore, go down the self-improvement aisle. And like you said, I mean, I did a whole an entire Anthony Robbins program and people thought I was crazy. But I just thought that whole pursuit of excellence and the things I was learning. And he would say, go everywhere. Like Zig Ziglar, you learn 1% of something and, and you're moving forward. You've got traction. One of my favorite things I've ever heard anybody say was, you know, success is the result of good judgment. Good judgment is a result of experience, and experience is often the, re the result of very poor judgment. Yes, got to break some eggs. You got to you got to break eggs to make an omelet. There's a lot yep. you can learn. Sadly, and you don't focus it when you have large mistakes. And those are the ones you learn the most from. Yeah, and that's why I really, again, man, just staying in my lane. Um, you know, I have guys, you know, from some of these groups, say Courtney. You will make a good sender, man, you know, because you take so much pride, you know, in what you do. And, you know, I'm, I could, I, I probably make a good, you know, uh, uh, a congressman. Yeah. But, you know, I just I just want to just follow, you know, my heart. And and, um, you know, because I, I feel like you just said earlier, I feel like when you when you home in and you just focus on that one thing. And I heard Tyler Perry say this. He, he He's definitely a big uh, influencer for me. Um, because just to see where he came from. And he said something before. He said, every time I see friends, I turn around. One minute they're doing this, and the next minute they're doing that. Today they're in real estate. Tomorrow, you know, they're trying to start a car wash. And he said, people ask me, how did you get to this point? How did you get And he said, it's so simple. He said, I planted that one seed, and I just watered it, and I just fed that one seed, and I just let it grow. So basically he was saying is just find that one thing and just focus on it. And let that one thing create more opportunities for you instead of you trying to plant 10 seeds where it's easy to plant one seed, let that seed grow. And then you can pick from that once that 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 one, you know, uh, tree. Um, so th that that's how I look at it, man. And, and, that, and I know that just by looking at my path, just like with the hard work for maintenance, this came from me being in the car. I didn't go looking for it. See what I'm saying? Yep. It just kind of fell in my lap. People asking me, uh, Courtney, can you do this with my floors? So like I said, 10 years ago, starting out with a, a red pad, white pad, and squeaky clean. And then, you know, taking the basic coatings class and one thing led to another and meeting people. So I, I just believe that once you really focus on something and just follow it, um, yeah, I think I, I'm not going to say think. I just believe it will take care of you the same way you take care of it. 
Well, you have that entrepreneurial spirit. They, listen, what I, from what I've seen through my life, and my father had a large business, and I had a business and decided I'd just rather go work for other people. And then I found my technical side. I just like consulting and helping and sharing. Businesses need three components. They need entrepreneurs that take the business forward and drag it into the future. You need managers that are time conscious. They keep everything like a Swiss watch. Let's get things done today, which, by the way, as we're moving forward, these people don't always get along. And the third one is a technician. Technician, like you're saying, we learn everything and we drag everybody back to the past. Before we go forward, don't forget, this works. And the three people are always fighting with each other and don't realize that they have to be all. My father said to me, because you need to be all three. Until you can find the people to hire to take those positions, and you're the entrepreneurial guy. I read some things you wrote in this the article that's going to be coming out in Woodfloor Business, and I just threw some lines over what you said. You said, uh, education first. One of my favorites is YouTube is not a teacher. People are always looking for something free, but real experience and real knowledge is key. Explain that YouTube is not a teacher. I love it. I use YouTube, it. It's man. not a teacher. <laughs> So this era now with the World Wide Web, and don't get me wrong, you know, I look at the good in everything. There's a lot of good, you know, people say, oh, this is a bad world. No, it's not. This is a good world. Um, you, you just got to find the good in it. Um, but when it comes to things like YouTube and social media, I think a lot of people are trying to replace true education, true wisdom with just by watching a video. And don't get me wrong. You can watch a video and learn things, but I what I try to help people understand is that YouTube, watching a few videos is not your true teacher. Watching me, I tell guys this all the time, watching me, is, it, it, this is not your true teacher unless you're working side by side with me, you know, uh, because, because at the end of the day, those videos do not explain everything. It might seem like it does. And I can't tell you how many people say, yeah, man, I tried to, man, I tried to replace my transmission and watching YouTube videos and it just didn't go right, you know, and the video might, would, the might could have explained everything from A to Z. But again, if you don't have that real knowledge and understanding of what you're doing, it doesn't matter. And I've seen this so much, man, where people try to watch these videos and they just don't have the true experience. They don't have the true knowledge. That's the true teacher is, is, is experience, okay, and mistakes. Repetition is and the mother I, of skill. Yes. And I've seen so many guys that have ruined floors have called me because they tried to learn just by watching videos. So I, I just tell guys, you know, yes, you can get the fundamentals. You can get a, some type of clear understanding by watching videos. But don't, don't expect videos to be your true to, to be to basically teach you how to do something that that somebody like me and you have been doing for 10 to 15 20 years um, i can't tell the numbers but you can tell me what they are it looks like you got about over twenty thousand youtube subscribers is that right yes okay and then well how did that start and how did you get so popular when i first um wanted to build an online presence and I started going to different local, you know, uh, uh, companies, websites, everybody, we all say the same thing. It's customer service guaranteed. We're the best. We make your floors look like new. Everybody says the same thing. So when I was looking at these companies and when I was building my online presence about 10 years ago, I said, Courtney, what is it that you can do 
that other companies are not doing. Most companies were rarely even doing before and after pictures. The guy who had the most reviews at that time in my area had like eight reviews on Google. And I told myself, I said, okay, most of these guys are barely doing before and after pictures. Nobody's doing videos. Nobody was doing videos. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Muhammad Ali, okay, because you see, again, I'm going back to all these scripts I hear. Muhammad Ali, you remember the Rumble in the Jungle when he fought George Foreman? Foreman. Now, again, in my era, Mike Tyson was the man in his time. But in the 70s, before my time, it was George Foreman. He was like the most feared boxer. And when he was, I think he was 24, Muhammad Ali was like 32 or 33. And Muhammad Ali decided to fight George Foreman. And it was so bad that his own wife begged him not to fight George Foreman. People were like, his trainer, do not fight this guy. He's too young. He's too strong. And Muhammad Ali said something that stuck with me that I I just never forget. He said, while everybody was focusing on his strengths, I focus on his weakness and his weakness was his stamina. He cannot fight for a long time. Right. That's when he created the rope-a-dope. rope-a-dope. <laughs> and he said, the rope-a-dope, exactly. He strategized. He said, if I can just let him tire himself out, I can beat him. And this is, and it worked out to plan. And I watched the documentary. And if you watch the documentary around at the end of the sixth round, Muhammad Ali whispered in George Foreman's ear when they was hugging and he told George Foreman, he said, that's all you got, big boy. And George Foreman said on that documentary, he said, I knew it was over and I was about to lose because I had gave him everything I can give him for six rounds. In the seventh round, Muhammad Ali knocked him out. Out. <laughs> Made that man retire for over 10. That's how emotionally it crushed him. He retired for 10 years. And then so, the, then so the comeback. Something that, yeah, he did make a great comeback. And, um, so that's just something I just thought about in business. You know, don't don't focus on your strengths. Focus on your weaknesses. Um, and that's why I started doing the videos. And I just want to showcase people on video. The camera don't lie. What I do and what I can do. And that that's though the video YouTube is one of the 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 the, the main reasons that I'm my success is where it is because I I'm not afraid to show what I do. I think you're doing um, a motivational and business ad, advice part of it, not just the floor standing part of it. Is that correct? Yes, I have. I, I've actually had the, um, you know, uh, opportunity to speak at certain conventions and, um, you know, things like that to, you know, just speak about motivation. And when I speak of motivation, I'm basically just sharing my own life experience. And again, I think we all have a story. Um, so I'm just sharing with, you know, the world of wh- who Courtney Lee is and where Courtney Lee has come from and, you know, where I just, you know, see myself heading in the future. Um and I'm just the type of person. I'm not afraid to share, you know, my story because we all have a story and we all have, you know, um, things that we have been through in life. And I don't think none of us should be ashamed of that because we're human. We're not perfect. Um, and also to show, you know, I've had guys, man, when you have when you have a person, you know, call you and tell you I had a guy about two years ago. He said, Courtney, I just want to thank you, man, because you actually saved my life. You actually saved my life. 
And um, those are the kind of things that keeps me going. You know, when I get those messages and those phone calls, just by being an inspiration to people, it just wants to, it just keeps you going because you just never know how you can impact someone's life, you know, um, on, on the positive side um, to just make them want to become better so they can, you know, at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, we're all, most of us, for the most part, have the same goals. And that's just, we want to live a good, comfortable life and just be able to take care of our families. You know, and, and, and that's all, you know, even me, you know, um, I just want to live a good, comfortable life, be able to take care of my family. You know, of course, me and my wife travel, you know, and uh, if it gets to a point where our daughters, you know, decide to have kids, you know, we'd be great. But it's, you know, hopefully there'll be a ways from now. Um, but just want to just want to live a good, comfortable life. And I think a lot of that, it just comes from, you know, following your true path treating people right you know one thing about me or i teach guys especially when i get in this industry and even with the maintenance side you know treat people right i had a lady call me yesterday she um there's a lot guy who follows me on facebook and he's local he tried to get into the hardwood floor maintenance and even though it's maintenance again a thousand dollar screen or recode job can turn into a ten thousand dollar sanding job if you don't know what you're doing and this is like the third time that a person have called me locally and said that this certain individual tried to perform a service on their wood floors and didn't do a good job. And um, and I tell guys all the time when I do my, you know, my, my videos is that when things go wrong, your true test in the entrepreneurship is going to determine if you are willing to take care of your mistakes. Are you a real problem solver? And I've had floors, uh, not last year, but the year before, I spent over $20,000 out of pocket having floors corrected. Because that's, 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 when I take on the floor, like you said earlier, when you take on a floor, when you take on a job, that's your floor. Yeah. Okay. That's your, the customer doesn't want to hear, oh, this and that. No, you took on this job. You told us what you can do, what you was going to do, and you didn't do it. What are you going to do now? So that's my thing is because this this is my thing is that we can always make money. You know, we can always we want to lose money. You want to spend money. You want to make money or you invest money, save money. You can always replace money, but you cannot replace real relationships. And two of those clients that in 2020 that I had to have their floor sanded. Don't you know those same two clients have become great represent, uh, representatives for my company? They still use me. Um, they still refer me. One of them was a, was a real estate agent. Her husband owns a, 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 a auto mechanic shop. Um, he works on my cars. He let me clean his building. His uh, wife has referred me to some of her clients. And this is after, because my thing is this, I owned up to my mistake. We live in an era now, 20 years ago, you didn't have Google reviews. You didn't have the internet. So if you did a bad job, the neighbor can might tell people who they work with. They can might tell, you know, their local neighbors. But now, do you know how many, do you know how many carpet cleaning companies I've seen go out of business mm -hmm. in the last 10 years based off of just reviews? Because now that people can go online and voice their opinion to the world about a company you can't fail you know how you can't fail you you particularly and, and when i hire people for for my team and i had probably the best team i've had in, in 25 years is 
and my guys will ask, well, you know, we got a lot of competition out there. I'm like, yes, but okay. We, we were brought together as a team because there's a lot of H's in there. You're honest, you're humble, you're helpful. I had a new team of salesmen come in. I go, if you forget everything, even if you don't know about flooring, whatever, you can't lose if you're just constantly focusing on being helpful. The customers, they are, they are on you from the time you pull up in your van. Mm-hmm. They're looking at your van. I have clients who have gave me compliments just by pulling up in a clean wrap van. Mm-hmm. Courtney, thank you so much. It's felt, I had a lady tell me it felt so good just seeing your company logo on your truck. She said, these other guys pull up in these all white vans and I get nervous because I don't, you know, I, I don't I already don't know who they are, you know. Um, so, so like you said, man, it's just certain things that you just can't pretend. So, so it's all about how you make people feel. Michael Jordan, okay, because <laughs> I'm a big sports guy. Michael Jordan in his era, when people went to go watch Chicago Bulls, when you turned your, your TV on to watch a Bulls game, you was not watching for the Bulls. You was not watching Scottie Pippen. You was watching for Michael Jordan. Right. And Michael Jordan, I tell people like this, this is how you know you have a niche, when you have that, that spark. Michael Jordan can score 50 points just shooting jump shots. Oh, Michael scored 50. But if Michael do that one spectacular thing in the air, that one spectacular layup, that one spectacular dunk, people felt like they got their money worth. You know what I'm going to do is I have about four quick fire questions that we ask everybody at the end of the podcast, but I like you. This is the first in all things wood floor history. I got 11 for you. Thank you. I changed these up because I like it. I think these are tailored towards you. I'm going to ask you these. You give me the quickest, easiest, fastest answer to these questions that you can, and we'll we'll roll from there. And here they are. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. What's your biggest pet peeve about the job that you do or the industry you're in? Biggest pet peeve is when I do occasionally have those clients that sign up for maintenance but they expect a brand new looking floor. If you weren't in the wood floor industry, what would you think you have been doing? Um, I've always looked at food as art. So I I would probably be a chef, uh, culinary art school. That would have been my second option. If I didn't get into the cleaning industry, the home service industry would have been uh, cooking. With the work that you do every day, what do you think? Do you have a favorite tool that you use particularly? Yes, I love the roller. I love the roll polyurethane. thing. Uh, how about um, what's the best thing about the job that you do? The outcome, the uh, just seeing the the transformation of the job from going from a dirty, unprotected wax floor to an almost brand new looking floor uh, within one day. What about is there anything that you're particularly, whether it's work or just business, that you're really proud of? Oh yes, uh, my my uh, presence that I have brought to the cleaning industry. Yes, sir. Anything on the anything that you know that ever went was the worst thing that ever happened to you on a job? Huh? The, yes, the worst thing that has ever happened to me on a job on a hardwood job is uh, when I used a certain polyurethane um, and I didn't use it correctly, and it peeled, and I had to get the whole floor sanded. Oh, that's not good. Um, 
Any advice to newcomers at what you do, what the type of work you do? Any advice to the new people? Yes. Um, be insured and have money in the bank. So when something goes wrong, because it's going to go wrong, you have the resources to have that job fixed. You got carpeting in your house? Yes. LVT, laminate, LVP? Electric vinyl plate floors, downstairs, carpet upstairs. Man, you're losing points here, buddy. I'm on. <laughs> All right, how about this one? If a Lifetime Movie Channel comes out and they're doing the story of your life and your career, who plays you? Wow, who plays me? If I can't play me, um, hmm. Man, I'll have to say upcoming actor right now I'll, I'll go with michael b jordan listen i had a great time i told you if 10 minutes turns out to be an hour and a half i really yes, really sir. really really appreciate it. hey i'm calling michael purser and a bunch of other people let we're, we're gonna we're trying to put a collective crazy podcast i think we got plenty enough people maybe we'll all go out to wisconsin and, and drive wood floor business crazy and we'll meet in their conference yes, room, eat their cookies and stuff hey i really appreciate your time with me man. i greatly appreciate it and uh hopefully we'll talk again real soon Thank you, Steve. I greatly appreciate this opportunity. Can't wait to hear it. And um, I greatly appreciate you uh, and, and the magazine for giving me these opportunities because I really believe um, that these op these opportunities right here are just going to help uh, me in my journey. Well, you earned it. And um, we will talk soon, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you again, Steve. See you later. All right. Take care now. You can read more from Courtney Lee in the Next Gen article in the February-March 2023 issue of Woodfloor Business. If you don't have the print issue, you can find it at woodfloorbusiness.com. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please rate and review All Things Woodfloor, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.